Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Anybody having fun in church this morning yet? Awesome. Go ahead and take out your Bibles. Something to uh, take notes with this morning. Open up your Bible to John chapter 1. This morning we're going to do two verses, uh, two different verses. We'll, they'll both be in John, and I believe you're smart people and you won't get lost along the way. John chapter 1, we are starting a new series this morning. Excited about it for November. We, uh, we had a plan for what we were going to talk about in November, and then this week I'm praying and working on stuff, and I was like, no, nope, this isn't it. God's putting something else in our hearts. And uh, I, just, I just think that God likes to interrupt things when he really has something to say. So I just think that these next couple of weeks together are going to be impactful for every single one of us. And I hope you come to church hungry. I hope you come ready to read your Bible, ready to let God speak into your heart, ready to not be like grumpy, dud church people, but come and be like, man, Jesus is alive. I can't believe he gets to say something. Praise God. John chapter 1, if you're in John 1, say I'm there. We believe church is a participation sport. I'm not just up here to perform something for you. We're here to hear God together, right? John chapter 1. We're going to read a few different verses, uh, 1 through 4. I think I told you all 1 through 4, not just 4. John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Is anybody included in anything this morning? Without him was not anything made that was made. You're here on purpose this morning. You took that breath on purpose this morning. You had that thought just now on purpose this morning. Without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John chapter 1 this morning. We could stop there, but let's talk about it. In him was life. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. I believe Jesus wants to take the next couple of weeks, interrupt our plans, and shine some light in some darkness. I believe he wants to overcome some things over these next few weeks. And I suggest you be here for it, because God's word is powerful and living and active. Ooh. I forgot to say something. Underline life in verse 4 there. <laughs> I want to start this morning a series that we are calling Zoe. Zoe over the next three weeks. And if you're wondering how to spell that, look up on the screen. I want to talk about a series called Zoe. The, the word in uh, 1 John 4, you underlined, it says life. In the New Testament Greek, the original Greek language, there's three different words that are translated into our English word life as you read through the New Testament. One of those words that is translated into life, the Greek root of it is the, the Greek root bios. You can write this down, you're getting a, you're getting a lecture today, some education, because I'm smart and a professor. That's what they used to call me, is a professor, actually. <laughs> Maybe you should start calling me that, I don't know. 
First word, bios. And bios is where I think it's pretty obvious we get the word biology. That word translates to life in the sense of biological life. You know, your body is moving, you're breathing, plants. uh, What's that process called? Photosynthesis. You know, bios, biology. Anybody thankful for biological life this morning? Thankful to be alive. The second word, uh, I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to add some French flair because I figure if you're going to mess something up, mess it all the way up. Pasuche. Pasuche is the second word. And uh, that's what the root where uh, we get words that talk about psychology. So this is about talking about your mind, that the life inside your head. Anybody got a whole life going on up inside of your head? It's more than just a body, right? There's a lot going on there. Sometimes Heather just looks at me and she goes, there's a lot going on up there. Pasuche, life. Psychology, psychological life, your emotions, your will, your mind. And the third word is the title of our series, this word zoe. Zoe is the third word. It's the word that's used here in 1 John, or in John chapter 1, that's translated into life, zoe life. It means like life, you know, like the guts of life. It means to be alive. It talks about eternal life, the, the, the fire of life. You know, that kind of life, just like the... That's, if you look in the Brigitte Dictionary, like I always do, it says right next to Zoe. That's how, it, that's how you know what it is. Zoe, the fullness of life. It's the essence of life. It's, it's the life you want, you know. It's the life you're looking for. Not just the circumstances, but the life that you're looking for. It's the life you know on your insides is somewhere out there. And you want it out to go from out there to in here. You want Zoe. I want Zoe life. Zoe is the word in this verse that we read. In Jesus was Zoe. And that Zoe was the light of man. Zoe is light. It's the light, the fire of life. I don't know about you, but I feel like so much of my biological life, so much of my psychological life really is and has been the search for Zoe life. When I read that word Zoe, I want that. I want that. I know that I'm alive. My body's alive. My mind is working. But there's still life that I've always been searching for. The other day we were uh, having our class for Antioch Discipleship School. Shout out to Antioch Discipleship School. Uh, It's been awesome so far. Thanks for asking. It's been great. Um, So we have class the first weekend of every month. And, uh, man, we had a powerful time together a couple weekends ago. Uh, We're kind of like this series. God just kind of hijacked the plans for the night. And it was fun. It's fun when that happens. If you're like, what's that look like? I don't know how to describe it other than he hijacks the plans and he does something. <laughs> I've had your life hijacked by God. It's circular. Thankful. And we're together and, and we, were, we were worshiping for a while and we had plans to do this other thing. And uh, we made this list of 100 things we were thankful for. And uh, one of, we, I just started asking, you know, what, what are you noticing from your list? And somebody from the class said, you know, I, I know that, like, anybody can have a list of 100 things. But when I look at most of my list, like, the vast majority of my list are, are things that are in my life as a direct result of following Jesus. So, so many of the people on this list would only be in my life if I, if I was following Jesus. So many things, so many things I'm thankful for, they're only a part of my life because of what Jesus has done. And I don't know who said if it was him or me, but we just kind of made the comment, man, this is way better than what we all used to do. And like, 
it was one of those moments where all of a sudden it was like God came in the room and we were like, whoa, that's so true. <laughs> and it just spurred off this like intercession time where we just said, we gotta, we gotta pray for people who don't know Jesus. Like, and, and I asked them this question. I said, hey, we're gonna take a second. We're gonna wait on God before we start praying. And I want, you to, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help me remember right now the first time I got God? Help me remember that moment, that, that first time. If you're a Jesus follower, you know what I'm talking about. That moment you got got by God. Hopefully you've, you've had more than one of them. You're allowed to have lots, actually. Moments where you get got again. We just said, God, would you remind me of that time I first got got? You know, you think about those moments when you get got by God. Sometimes they're soft moments. And you just remember and it's, oh my gosh. Sometimes, frankly, they can be some violent moments. God breaks in and starts tearing some things apart. Or maybe you're actually just in a violent situation and God saves you and you're like, whoa. I should have gotten real hurt right there. For real, literally. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe not all of us. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they're loud moments. Sometimes they're quiet moments. There's so many different moments that God will get you. <laughs> he just has this way of breaking in the way you need to get God and he gets you. He can come in a million different ways. God does come in a million different ways. As we remembered together that first time we all got God, it fueled prayer like we hadn't experienced yet together as a class. I think there's something so powerful about that for us as the church to never forget the first time we got God. There's something that can fall asleep in the routine of the lives that we live and the church routine that we go through, and even the worship songs that we sing, and maybe even sometimes I raise my hands like I, more than I used to, but sometimes it can still turn into routine. And I've got to remember, I'm not just here for a Sunday service. I'm here because I've gotten God. I've been got by God. I was looking for something, and I found Jesus. I remember the first time I got God. I remember when I really, really got God. And if you've been around our church much, you've heard most of this story plenty of times. We're not going to replay the whole thing. But I remember waking up one uneventful morning when I'm 20 years old. And I just kind of realized things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. I was fully alive. I, I, my, my body was healthy and I was alive. My mind was healthy and I was alive. I, I was in a great college. Everything was going good. I had a good life going on. Everything was alive, but I was dead on the inside. Nobody told me, I just knew. I just knew it. I had everything except what I really wanted. I didn't know what I really wanted, but I just knew that there was now something out there that I want that I didn't even know I wanted until right now, but I feel it right now, and I want it. I don't know what it is, but I don't got it. There's something in there that I just don't have. Really... And I look back, and, and what I woke up to in that moment is I realized that for as long as I can remember, I've been hungry for Zoe. I didn't have that language for it in the moment, but I was, I've always been hungry for life. In him was Zoe. In Jesus is Zoe. And that Zoe is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I remember that morning knowing I'm in the dark. I'm in the dark. I'm in the dark and I would really love light. You know how you can be in the dark and it cannot be a big deal? Maybe even preferable. But like 
it takes a lot for darkness to be a problem. Like you sleep in the dark and that's great. But sometimes you wake up and once you wake up, it's time for things to change. How many know you can be in the dark for a while but not be awake to the fact that you're in the dark? But sometimes you wake up and it's gotta change. I remember that moment happened. I've been, I've been in the dark a long time. I've been asleep. I've been here the whole time. Nothing significantly has changed, but I just woke up. And something's got to change now. I was alive, but I didn't have life. And I wonder this morning if you know what it feels like when the darkness overcomes. You wake up to the darkness and it overcomes you. When the life you have is getting drowned out by something else that you don't have or by so many things that are going on. When the light that you're living off of gets overcome by the darkness. I wonder if you know what that feels like. To be going along just fine and then all of a sudden it's just too dark. It's just too dark, you know, like when the grief is so heavy and it just gets too dark. When the depression is, is, is so deep, when the anxiety is so thick, when the insecurity is so strong. I wonder this morning if you know what it's like to ever be in the dark. I wonder if you know what it's like this morning to, to live in a culture that just feels like it's wandering in the dark. To be in a nation that feels like it's wandering in the dark or, or in a situation or a relationship or being a family or being a moment where it's like everybody's alive but we're just searching. It feels like everybody's talking. It's like a big game of Marco Polo. Everybody's talking but nobody can find anything. We're all reaching around for so many different things. There's plenty of voices. There might even be momentum in some certain direction. There's plenty of activity happening. There's a lot going on, but there's no vision. There's no clarity. There's no direction. We're all alive, but there's no light. I wonder if you know what it's like to be in the darkness this morning. A darkness that overcomes. If you know what it's like, you've probably said something or feel something. I've got everything, but I'm missing something. I'm missing something. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I need a light that overcomes a darkness that overcomes me. I need a light that overcomes the darkness that overcomes me. In him was life. I kind of want to preach for a second for what's not in the verse. I think the verse says a lot by what it doesn't say. This is what I mean when it's like I've got everything but I don't have the one thing. There's only one thing listed in this verse where life is found. There's only one thing which means there's another list of things that don't have life which is everything else except the one thing that's in this verse that does have it. And I, I can assume this about you but I won't judge you like that. I know for me... Once I learned I was in the dark, I realized how long I had been searching in the dark. I, I didn't understand it at the time, and I start searching all the time. When we realize it's dark, when it's dark, you look for a door, right? When it's dark, you start looking for a door. And there, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of disappointment, there's a lot of experiences or regrets. There's a lot of stuff that comes into our lives by us knocking on the wrong doors. Am I right? There's a lot of things that come in when we open up the wrong door. 
because we, re we realize it's dark. We want the light, but we start feeling around for so many different things, but we can go to so many other things except the one thing. We can look for it in all the wrong places, in all the wrong people, in all the wrong different situations, everything except what is listed in this verse. When it gets dark, I'm looking for a door. Can somebody just say this morning, show me the door? If you ever know what it's felt like to need a door and, and had a heart cry, uh, show me the door. Somebody show me the door. Because it's dark and I need a door. I want to title part one of our series this morning. Yes, I'm giving you a title this way into the message. Zoe, the door. The door. Turn over to John chapter 10. A common analogy that Jesus would use in his time on earth to describe and model for us the type of relationship that he wanted to have with us, the type of relationship that God wants to have with you and with his people is the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is bringing up this analogy in a big way and he's talking about, he's using this analogy of a sheep and shepherd to describe to us who he is, who we are to him, how he wants to speak to us, relate to us, how we can walk with him. He's using this analogy of a shepherd leading his sheep into safety and, by leading, and leading them into life by leading them into what he calls the sheep pen. He's talking about, I, I'm the one that, that brings you into the sheep bin, the place of safety, the place of life. And, and, and that's where I protect you. That's where I count you. That's where I speak to you. Come into the sheep pen. And he says this in, in verses 9 and 10 after he's kind of halfway through using this whole analogy. In verse 9 he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life. Zoe is the word that Jesus uses right there. I am the door. Everything and everybody else comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have Zoe and Zoe abundantly. I remember looking for Zoe. I didn't know exactly how to find it. I'm at this decision point. I wonder if you know what it's like to be at a decision point in the dark. And I remember basically feeling like I had two choices in my life. I kind of had door number one and door number two. Any game show fans in the house? I've got door number one, I've got door number two. And maybe I could say it this way. It's like what I knew I had, I didn't know which one to choose, but what I knew I had was like maybe if this could represent me in my life, my pack. Like I had my backpack of life and everything I had picked up in life up to that point. I had my, my preferences, my opinions, my experiences, my past, my dreams, my thoughts. You know, everything I had picked up along the way, I had that. And door number one Option number one, to go and find and try to experience the light and the life that I wanted so bad. Door number one was kind of either like, okay, door number one is I can strap up, put all this on my back, pick up everything that I think about myself, everything I know about me and about life and all these sort of things. Just kind of pick it up and just kind of play this thing out and set off into the wild blue yonder of life and search for Zoe. And basically say, I got this. I'll figure it out. That's door number one. Door number two was to take all of this and actually just set it down. 
Everything I thought I knew, everything I knew about myself, everything I thought I knew about God, understood about life. Take all of these things and make this risky choice. Do I actually believe that this Jesus I had heard about my whole life wasn't just a religion to show up on Sunday for, but was actually a man who had everything that I wanted and everything that I needed abundantly and walked through the door? I am the door. We're made for Zoe. We hunger for Zoe. And Jesus steps up to the plate in John 10, 9. He steps up to the plate in your seat this morning. That Bible you're looking at in your lap, God stands before you this morning. And he looks at you and he says, I am the door. I am the door. In this search for life, I think that I know how this has felt so many times. I wonder if you have. I know so many people feel this way. It's like, it feels like I'm kind of here in life and like having it figured out or like being a grown adult, you know, like having it nailed down, it's like out there, right? Like I'm here, life's out there. And uh, it just kind of seems like almost like this room, you know, like you're, you're, you're in here, you know you need life, you know you need to grow up, like anybody trying to learn how to be an adult still, this is what I'm talking about. You look around at everybody else and you're like, dang, it looks like they've got this and like, I'm pretending, but I feel like everybody can see right through me, you know? That's the, that's the thing I'm talking about. You're in here, but life is out there. And all the people who have it together, they're out there because they found it. And you're in here trying to figure out, like, how do I get out there? And so you need a door. You need a door to find out how do I get from where I am to where I go. And what happens in life is, like, there's all these different options. Am I right? Like there's so many different voices telling you about where to go and just kind of like this room. It's like you're in this room and you're like, okay, well, there's a door over here. There's two doors right there. It's like extra wide. Is that good? Is that bad? Like I look at that person. They kind of have what I want in some ways. So does that mean I should do exactly what they said and exactly what? Are you tracking with me? And then there's this door over here that the people who are like, don't do it like anybody's ever done it. You're just you. And you, you know, and you're like, this is the door nobody else is walking through. Maybe that means I should walk through it. Like there's just so many doors to walk through to try to find the life that it is that you're looking for. Can anybody say amen if you're tracking with me at all? And so it's like, and then you come to church, right? And that messes everything up too. Because I stand up there and it's like, so hey. Yeah, Jesus, I'm the door. And you're like, whatever, dude. Like, that sounds cool. You're making me say amen, but I don't get it. What do I, like, do with this? And we talk about Jesus is the door, and you're like, cool, I'm still in here. And what it can feel like is, like, I'm in here, and Jesus is way out here, right? On the other side of the door. You know, and you're stuck in there kind of on the blind side of the decision. And you're stuck in there and you come to church and you feel like, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I could just do enough or be enough, then I could figure this out enough. Maybe I could, if I could be spiritual enough, if I can make the, the right choices enough, then maybe if I do the right things enough and guess good enough, when I walk through death's door, Jesus is going to be there and he's going to give me the thumbs up and say, you guessed right. Come on into heaven. To your right. And between here and there, we're just guessing. We're just trying. Hoping. Putting a smile on, like, no, I feel good about it. The choices I'm making, the direction I'm going, no, like, I'm sure this is going to work. <laughs> but if anybody asks, you're like, I'm guessing, dude. I just hope this leads to where I want to go. Jesus steps in and he says, I am the door. 
Now I'm on the other side of the door. I am the door. See, the door of Jesus is not the door, not the Jesus who stands on the other side of a door and says, I hope you guessed right. Jesus steps up to your life and he says, I want you to know I am the door. Like, hello, this door shouts you down. This door calls you by name. This door waves you down. This door's got something to say to you. This door knows where you're coming from, knows where you're going, puts you together. He called you to be where you are. He's got a name for you. He's got a, a destiny on your life. He's got something for you to be a part of. That's this door. This door is waving you down. And the reason I know that is because there's somebody crazy enough to stand at the back of the room and preach and wave at you because somebody in this room needs to believe for just a second that this isn't a game. This isn't a show. You're not here to just guess your way to the end and hope for the best. God loves you and he's waving you down. Jesus says, I am the door. In Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, the, 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 the guy John who wrote this book, he's getting a, a, a prophetic vision of kind of heaven and things to come. And, and he says this at the beginning of this vision. He starts off in Revelation 4 verse 1. I, I think I told him, yeah. He says, after this I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. In Revelation 4, he tells us exactly what he looks like. What does a person who is a door standing open look like? He looks like the cross. This is the door. This is the door. This is how God looks at you and says, I want you to have life and life abundantly. And he stands up on a cross and spreads his arms open wide, opens so much. Not just, he didn't just open his arms on the cross. He opened heaven on the cross. Not just so you could get into heaven someday, but so that heaven could come down through you today. I am the door, Jesus says. I am the door. Jesus did not come to bring you a religion that you walk through to find life. Jesus came to bring a relationship with God that you walk through life with. I found over the years that Zoe life is not something I walk through a door to get to. Zoe life is the adventure of always walking through the door. Verse 9, he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out, in and out. In and out. I have a life for you to live. Not just a church service for you to come to. Not just a thing for you to hope for someday. Not just a prayer for you to pray once. Not just a thing for you to put on your Instagram bio. Like I have a life for you to live going in and out the door of life. I am the door. Jesus isn't a door that I walk through. He's a door that walks with me. Jesus isn't a door for you to walk through. He's a door that walks with you. He's a door that walks with you. Because how many of you know, how many of you know, a, a door is not a good destination? <laughs> like when you call somebody to, to, to meet you at like the coffee shop, you don't just like, hey, see, like you may meet at the door, but you're not there for the door. Like, cool. <laughs> just stand by the door. And it's like, what's up? <laughs> you, you, come on, somebody. Something we say around here all the time is that salvation is not a destination. It's an invitation. How many of you know doors are not destinations, they're invitations? They're invitation to the place you want to go, the thing that you're there for. You don't come to church because we have beautiful oak-ish colored doors. And you're just like, wow, these are beautiful doors. These doors are an invitation to come on in. Come on in and experience something. 
Doors are great, but you're not here for doors. You don't go where you go for doors. Christianity isn't here just for you to walk through a door. Jesus didn't come just so you could walk through a door. Jesus came to bring a relationship. See, Christianity isn't just a, a religion that happens on Sundays. Christianity is, is the born again, filled with the Spirit of God, now, now part of His plans and purposes. I'm not just waiting for something someday. I'm bringing that thing through my life today. I've got one step in front of the other today. I know I'm not perfect today, but I'm still on a journey that I can take a step forward in today. I can know God today type of relationship. That's what Jesus came to bring. That's what he's an invitation to. When he says, I am the door, he's not saying, I am the destination. He says, I am the invitation. I am the invitation. Come in, come out. Let's live life together. This isn't about just a destination. This is an invitation. Jesus didn't just come to forgive you of your sins and wait in heaven until you get there. He came to give you zoe and zoe abundantly. Not by being a door you walk through once, but by being a door that walks with you. See, he's kind of like this portal. Is that really weird to say in church? That's probably like some witchcraft thing to say, but I don't know. Jesus is bigger. Praise the Lord, you know. But seriously, like he, he's, he says he's the door. He's the door. and he, he's, he's the door that walks with you. And that's really encouraging. Because if he walks with you, that means he's not stuck here at church. That's good. All right, we're gonna here. We'll talk about it like this, okay? This is Natasha. She's amazing. Everybody say, "Hey, Natasha." See, Jesus isn't the door she walks through on Sunday. Jesus is the door that walks with her. And Natasha, she's at work at her new job. Praise the Lord. And she's trying to figure out how to handle this new boss, who's got something going on. I'm sure. And maybe said some things, and she's trying to how to not like how do I not be offended? How do I bring? How do I like be kind? Let alone like a good Christian in this moment, you know? Like, can we be honest about some moments we face in life? All right. So she's like there, and Jesus isn't telling her like, oh, you should really go to church and get that attitude straightened out. He's like, hey, Natasha, I'm right here. Let's walk through this together. I'm the door. Life is right now. You know, she's working through some stuff with the kids. She's working through some stuff with the finances. She's working through some stuff with the stuff that goes through her head. She's working through some friend stuff. She's working through some life. And it's not like go to church and hopefully you can jump through the hoop good enough so God approves and he gives you the thumbs up and you're like, oh, good, I'm a good Christian now. He says, Natasha, it's good. I'm the door. I'm right here. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Zoe, let's do this together. And Zoe, abundantly, you can always walk through the door. He's the door that walks with you. That means he's going through the same things you're going through. He's hearing the same things you're hearing. He's, he's working through the same things you're working through. And you don't have to do the guesswork anymore. You get to walk with Jesus. You get to walk with Jesus. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Start breaking stuff. Zoe is not life on the other side of the door. Zoe is the life, the adventure of walking with God. I never have to go looking for the door because the door is always with me. In friendship and anything I'm trying to navigate, the door is with me. You're looking for Zoe life this morning. And it's not in a destination. It's not in this room. It's not 
It's not in some destination that you've concocted in your head that somebody else has reached to and arrived to, but you're not there yet. And hopefully someday if you keep showing up, you can get there. This door is an invitation. And it's open, standing open to you. Verse 9 again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Since we're on a Greek kick this morning, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved. There's a Greek word, sozo, in, in, in the New Testament there. It says sozo. You can, you can see how to spell it up there. Pasuche. It's used 110 times in the New Testament. And this word sozo doesn't just mean saved like you got your sins forgiven. It's a word that's deeper than that. It's a word that carries the connotation and the experience of, of holistic restoration of healing, of deliverance, being kept safe. If you were here at the beginning of church, we read Psalm 18. My rock, my refuge, my stronghold. The Lord is my strength. Anybody here at the beginning of church? Yeah. Verse 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be sozo, sozo. Not just, again, this sins forgiven thing. And if you look at Where'd it go? My man. Sozo. And I just need you to bear with me for a second, but it's like just right in the word. I know I'm reading this into the original language, but it's like not just like a little bit of Zoe. It's like so Zoe, like so much Zoe. And before you leave, before I turn around and you're like, I knew it. Church is the cheesiest, most cliche thing in the whole world. Just bear with me for a second. What if it's true? Forget whether or not it's in the real language. It's still true. That's what verse 10 says. He says, if you come and enter my being, you will be saved. So much Zoe. You will be so much Zoe. What I mean is, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come to give Zoe and so much Zoe. This is what Jesus wants you to hear this morning. This is what Jesus wants you to know about him. This is what Jesus wants a church to rise up and believe. This is what Jesus wants a family to believe. What he wants individuals to hold on to. What he needs people to hold on to in our day, in our time, in our age, going through our things, in relationships, in our spheres of influence. Jesus is looking for somebody who will stand up and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I know the door. And that's the door to so much Zoe. I'm being distracted. I'm being called to so many different things. But I will be somebody who stands for Zoe. Who fights to go through the door and find Zoe? I believe that Jesus is the door to healing. I believe Jesus is the door to deliverance. I believe Jesus is the door to life abundantly. Not everything else that everybody's telling me to chase. And let's be honest, all the things we've been chasing, sometimes we look at Jesus and it's like, in him was life. And like, like, why can't it be like him and some other stuff? Like, isn't that so exclusive? And it's like, why waste our time with all the other stuff? Can we just be honest? Like, God's not being judgy. Maybe he's looking at us and he's like, how's the other stuff working? Sometimes we hold on too tightly. <laughs> Jesus is like, it's just me. And you're like, whoa, what about like, what about like the way I want it to go? It's like super exclusive and like, man, like legalistic. He's like, I'm, I'm just saying this is how it is. Like, how's that working anyways? 
I think we could do ourselves well, looking ourselves in the mirror sometimes and saying, that thing I don't want to like, how's it working? How's it been going so far? Maybe God's not really that angry at you. He's angry at the thing that's trying to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. Maybe God doesn't hate you. Maybe he really does hate sin. And maybe those aren't the same thing because he actually loves you so much that he hates the sin that kills you. Like maybe this actually makes a lot of sense. Jesus is calling you this morning. He's calling you. Because I'll close with this thought. If going through the door is when we experience salvation, is when we experience healing, is when we experience restoration, is when we experience the breakthrough that we need. If it takes going through the door to, 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 to find those things, that means I don't have to have those things before I go through the door. It's taking a second to land. If I walk through the door for healing, then I can walk through sick. If I walk through the door to get restoration, then I can walk through broken. If I walk through the door to be fully restored, I can walk through in my process. If I walk through the door to find the answer, I can walk through with my questions. If it takes walking through the door to find life, then I'm allowed to come dead. If it takes walking through the door to get free, I can bring what binds me. I can bring what curses me. I can bring what I can't let go of. If it takes walking through the door to find life, then I can walk through just as I am. Jesus is calling you this morning. Jesus is calling your friends this morning. He's calling your family. He's calling your workplace. He is calling out to a world that is searching for Zoe. We're not in here worshiping Jesus, creating the need. They're like, oh, everybody's cool, but we've got the bonus points, which is Jesus. Everybody's looking for Zoe. And in him is Zoe. And that Zoe is the light it's the light. That's always the life of men. And it is only this light that shines in the darkness. And it is this light that the darkness cannot overcome. I want you to stand this morning as we end our time. That's all just an introduction. It's going to be a good couple of weeks. We need to be a people given, given to Jesus. And I think every single one of us I, I just feel like the Lord's been highlighting all this last week. Like this, these next three weeks is a time to believe that you can get lit on fire like you've never been on fire. It's a time to lay stuff down you thought you could never lay down. It's a time to walk through the door. And that's the invitation this morning. We're gonna have our prayer team come up like we always do. And they're here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything at all in your life, please don't leave without getting it. No one's praying for you at work tomorrow, so just come now. You're at church. You can get the prayer that you need. And just this morning, I believe God's been highlighting some thieves in our life that steal from us, kill us, and destroy us. And the invitation is for you to come walk through the door. Bring it. Bring it with you. He can handle it. Bring it with you. He can take care of it. Bring it with you. He can heal it. Bring it with you. He can speak to it. Just bring it with you. Just come. Just come. Just come. I think that there's so many of us who we just need the joy of our salvation restored to our hearts. We need to remember that the first time we got God. And it's going to fire a love in our hearts for Jesus and for the people around us that we lost a while ago. 
Some of you have been walking with Jesus, but you've been holding back. It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go because what you're doing is not working anyways. There's more ahead for you. There's more. You might be here this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never been born again. The Bible says you can have your sins forgiven. You don't just have your sins forgiven, though. You become a new creation because God gives you a life to live. And you're hungry for it and you know it. Don't leave this morning without talking to the person who you came with. Don't leave this morning without coming to get prayer for something. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever it is, let's respond to an invitation this morning. Amen. Jesus, we love you. And we welcome you right now. Holy Spirit, come and just move in these last few minutes we have together. Move us forward. Move us forward, God, right now. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would speak more loudly and clearly than we've ever heard you before. Like we've been praying a lot recently, God, I pray that you would, you would push just hard enough on that thing so that we have to let it go. We have to find life and let go of the thing. God, I'm praying that you would move us forward in our hunger for you and our walks with you. Would you come, would you speak by the power of the Holy Spirit? Come and move, come and heal, come and restore, come and deliver, come and save, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.